I've, I've hit record on Audacity. Yes. Right. This is the bit you've been waiting for. <laughs> it's not. I, it drives me mental because I've got I've got to then synchronise it, and you're always a second behind. <laughs> I just add a second on then. <laughs> do you know what? I will. Right. You you do it on four. I'll do it on five. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. One, two, three. What? Why are you waiting? Because <laughs> I was waiting. To, <laughs> I went to see your hands go. No, you just go on four, and I'll go okay, on five. One, two, three. I didn't hear anything from you there. Perfect. Perfect. not bad um so obviously as you missed the last one i've, I've got a um, i've got a little i've got a double quiz for you double quiz double quiz okay yeah so as previous rules just answer we don't need to discuss it no although we invariably will yes okay first thing that comes to your mind okay summer or winter winter word of mouth or written word written word no skaven or troll or no troll slayers. No troll slayers. Yeah. Kind artificial intelligence or unkind real intelligence? Unkind real intelligence. Breathe through your ears or listen through your mouth? Listen through my mouth. You you sound like you've, uh, you've thought <laughs> of that one. <laughs> There's been situations where that would have been useful. Fair enough. Cthulhu mythos or yellow mythos? Cthulhu mythos. Poor system with one important fantastic rule or fantastic system with one important terrible rule? Uh, one terrible rule. Okay. And the final one, fight a million normal ants or one toddler-sized ant? I'd take the toddler-sized ant. But you remember how strong uh, ants are? I know, but I could, I could, I've got a good kick. <laughs> Just <laughs> treat they could literally lift a lorry over the head. They would, they would, they would pull your leg off and beat you to death with it. They ain't gonna be able to do that when they're sailing through the air towards Leamington Spa. <laughs> oh god! Well, there you go. I've got to think of one of these for Dennis the Twiller because uh, he's he's going to be coming on soon, as 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 you know. And I've I'm trying to put together a good little questionnaire for Dennis so we can we can we can we can get where his minds are. Yes. So it, it, how, it is a very sophisticated form of psychoanalysis, I find. It, it is, it is, it is. It's, it's, it's equivalent to going to see a psychiatrist for three months. 
It is. <laughs> no use whatsoever. So, so how are you today, Griff? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm very tired because we're recording this on the bank holiday weekend, and I went a yeah. bit mental with the DIY. I is that what your background images? Yes. <laughs> well, my, my 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 hall looks less like a murder hall now. It looks quite sophisticated. What's a murder hall when it's in town? It's like a hall to a house where a murderer lives. I mean, I, I've got to be honest. I've never been in one of those. <laughs> I've been in a few. It didn't look. It didn't look very inviting. But now right. it looks all sort of Scandinavian and neat and chic and. And when the, um, when, when, when the millions of visitors that come to see me, like the window cleaner, I won't be ashamed when I open the door, but you won't be like scared and thinking, I better get out of here because that's a murder hall. This you is the murderer's house, yeah. <laughs> He'd be going, oh, that looks quite Scandinavian and chic. And then I can kill him. <laughs> it's the last thing you'll expect. <laughs> last thing. <laughs> um, do you have a spooky story for us today? I do. This is um, something I've spoken to my mum about recently okay. because she remembers it more than me. So I'm sort of paraphrasing her story back to me, but it really right. stuck with her. And this was sort of, I think, the first weird thing that happened. And I can vaguely remember it, which was we had a house full and I didn't really want to go upstairs to bed. Mm-hmm. I was about four, I was four years old and we're in a new house, my grandparents' house. And um, I didn't like it very much. And I went to the bedroom and I was, you know, a bit miffy about it. And my granddad walked in and he said to me, it's a bit cold. And I went, yeah, because I like my granddad. He was ace. And he uh, said, just going to get a jumper. And he walked towards the wardrobe and just walked into it through the door. Just vanished. So I went downstairs going, granddad's in my bedroom. And everybody was really, really upset. Because I didn't know, but that was his wake downstairs. Really? Yes. Oh, my word. So they just hadn't told you? They just hadn't told me. I was four years old, and then they well. knew I wouldn't really understand, and I'd be upset. But the thing that, that is striking is apparently, and I wouldn't be able to do this, and I'd probably insult some of our listeners, uh, but the words I repeated and said he said back were in Welsh, because he was a Welshman, and, that, and it Everybody was very, very upset, and and uh, yeah, that that is that is very creepy. Yeah, because I didn't re- I didn't go downstairs and say, oh, I've just seen a ghost. And I didn't I, I didn't really say anything other than Granddad's just come into the bedroom. He asked where his jumper was in Welsh, and then said, and he walked into the wardrobe because as a four year old, you think that's completely normal. So I didn't think it was a ghost, and I wasn't scared or anything. Right. I do I do vaguely remember him looking at me, mm. and um. Yeah, and he already had a jumper on, which was a bit weird. Well, that's the most weird thing about the whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was double jumpering. <laughs> well, you know, beyond the grave is cold. Very cold, obviously. <laughs> the cold touch of death and all that. <laughs> so that is that is very creepy. I've got a, I've got a spooky story for you. Mm. Um, it's my my friend Mark. And Mark, I do apologise if you're listening to this. He used to live in, in this house near the old Swan in Liverpool. You know where the old Swan is, don't you? Uh, yeah, I've dr- I used to drink in there. Yeah, it's by. It used to be it's by the Sony testing facility was that you worked in. It's not mm-hmm. far from. Yeah, yeah, it was Edge Lane, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it used to be yeah. our uh, sneak out for an afternoon, have a beer when you're supposed to be doing really critical cold pub. Well, there you go. And there's the, and there's also the Signet as well, which is the other pub there. Yeah. And. Um, <laughs> and from what I understand from Mark, they inherited the house from 
his mother's side of the family. So he'd been in the family a while. Mm. And from what Mark's mum and dad used to go away quite a lot and we used to game at his house. And we were playing one night there when his mum and dad were away. And we used to have a guy who used to play with us called Mike. And he was really one of those really sensitive guys. He used to get upset really easily. Mm. And we were, we were playing and we had to pause and play for some reason. And he burst into tears and said, I can hear someone walking about upstairs. Yeah. I remember Mark looked up at the ceiling in the room mm. and then just changed the subject. So what happened then was he told us that when he was a kid, he remembers going to the bottom of the stairs and looking up and seeing a figure stood at the top of the, the landing, mm. like a, a shadow figure with, with red pinpricks his eyes. Ooh. And it was that scary. He wet himself. And it was the reason he looked at the ceiling is that that's where in relation to where Mike was, Mike was, was where the figure was. Jesus. He told me, I remember him telling us all this and we were like, that's mad spooky. And then we, 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 we joined another gaming group and that group, the way groups used to fall apart and you join another one. And like bands. We, yeah. Yeah. I was and, John Lennon. <laughs> in a previous life or in, in a current life. As it, like a young role player. I was like John Lennon. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be, I'd be fine. And my campaigns would be going well, but then I'd go off with a Japanese girlfriend. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> so we used to uh, we used to play again when Mark's mum and dad used to go away. Hmm. And there was one particular night, one of the guys from the group, he was one of the few people who had a car. Yeah, and he came. He came. He said he said he would drop us off at home. And as we got all got in the car, Mark was at the door waving us goodbye. One of the other lads, who was also called Mark, shouted, "Mark, is there someone at your window?" And Mark. Stepped outside, looked up, said, wait there. Went back in, come out with his coat on, and looked up and said, I'm coming with you. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, he, he did, said, he, did, he see, did he see the same thing as the guy? And or, he never or, said, but the fact that he just was like, nope, he just noped out of there straight away. Yeah. It was it was one of them, like all the house was in darkness because Mark was one of those guys who never put, put lights on in rooms. Mm. Uh, and it was it was just, I don't think this, this other guy called Mark knew about it. No, no, no. The whole time he was just like, he saw, he saw like the outline of, a, of someone stood in the window upstairs. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a, that was an interesting drive home. <laughs> and, and that's the only time he saw the shadow figure. I mean, that, those red eyes, that would do me. Yeah, I they said they were like, Pinprick, pinprick red eyes. I could see, I, honestly, I've seen, I've seen some right old stuff, but that would do me. I don't think, I, yeah, happy done as well. Because yeah. that's like, that starts to, you think, like maybe a little bit demonic. You know, I, I, I don't know why. But. I mean, whatever demonic means, really. I think it means from Birmingham. Well, isn't it Wolverhampton? <laughs> I think that, that's, uh, what's the other one? Devon. But yeah. Yeah. So, but another funny, well, I'm kind of, uh, an adjacent story to that is one of the ladies who used to role play with is a girl called Karina, and she used to claim she could see someone people's auras. She thought she was psychic, hmm. and that's who based Karina on in viral. Ah, was was her? Yeah. And she lived. She lived in a flat on Shield Road in Liverpool, and she used to tell us all the time she felt like there was someone in the flat or someone trying to get in the flat. And she said she was lying in bed one night and she heard someone really having a go at the front door. Mm. And so she got dressed, put her shoes on in case she had to just get out of there. Went and just opened the front door, and there was nobody there. It was literally a big empty hallway mm. inside the flats. She also 
felt like she had someone trying to get in the back window. And when she pulled the curtain back, there was nobody there. Ooh. That that was a creepy how we did the Ouija board in that house. Oh, no wonder this yeah. no wonder the shadow figures knocking around with red eyes. Well, this was later. This was later after we found this out. But so your friend Mark, uh, when that happened, what sort of year was it, roughly? You mean the uh when there was the figure at the thing or when he when he saw the pinpricked yeah, when he saw the pinpricked shadow figure. Oh, God, it all have been the, the early 70s. I mean, see, shadow figures, as far as I can tell from the thousands of hours of uh, paranormal shows I've watched on YouTube, they're, they're, they're like a fairly recent invention. They are. It seems to have coincided with people trying to record these things on films and they see like a little flickering shadow. And, you know, it seems, it seems to come from sort of... It's definitely a more recent thing. I don't remember it. It's, it's, a, it's a recent thing. I think it's to cover up, like, if I'm being honest, really weak visual evidence in these shows where they're desperate to have something happen. Yeah, but then you see some shadow figures and they're immensely clear. You do, but as a phenomena, shadow figures is... It's like a, I think it's like a 21st century thing. So it's quite cool that that was a long time ago. Mm, I think it might be worth bringing up this point. We've got a few guests coming on the show over the next couple of months. Um, so hopefully the next person on will be uh, Dennis Detwiller. Or is it Detwiller? I'm not sure. I'm going to ask him when he comes on the show whether I've been mispronouncing his name for the last seven years. Well, on videos I do about Delta Green. Um, and we're going to talk about hopefully Delta Green and focus on impossible landscapes. So if you've got any uh, questions about impossible landscapes or just indeed Delta Green in general, I'm pretty sure Dennis would be happy to to tackle them. So um, get in touch with us at the usual places or, you know, just leave a message after the beep. Um, we also have hopefully Scott Dorwood coming on. And I can't wait for Scott to come on because he's he's such a lovely fella. And his his spooky story, I have to hear it to be to believe it. He's already told me roughly what it's about, and and I I remember saying like this sounds like it's going to be good straight away. So that should be that should be interesting. And then hopefully after maybe a few weeks after that, we're going to have C.J. Romer on. Now, if you don't know C.J. Romer, he is the the gent who wrote the Parapsychologist Handbook for Call of Cthulhu. Which was one of the um, which was one of the monographs, and he's he's also a parapsychologist. He is, yeah, and he's he's done research and and been on all the various different types of ghost shows. So that should be really interesting. I bet there'll be a lot of interesting things that CJ will have to to tell us about, and it'll be interesting to see if he's had any spooky experiences himself, or whether he's mm. just trying to record other people's. Uh, yeah, so that's what we've got coming up in the next few weeks, but. Um, should we talk about some gaming news? Yes. Anything you'd like to talk about? Yeah. I think since the last time we spoke, I um, I purchased the new Chaosium uh, BRP book. Oh, right. And uh, it's inspired me to write my own role-playing game. What's that called? The working title is Griff Quest. Griff but Quest. It, yes. Okay. I mean, it's good that you went for originality there. I did, did yeah. Um, <laughs> no, um, th- there's been. I've been reading it. To be honest, I got it. I got it as a completist, and I, I like the mm. RP. I like I like everything, sort of Cthulhu, RuneQuest. You know, ma- even going back to sort of Magic World and that sort of stuff. I, mm. I, I I love the system. And while I was reading it, I thought, well, I'll just read it. And two or three really cracking, I think, personal to me, ideas of 
leapt out. So uh, I'm rereading the book, but this time writing my own bits to add to it. Cool. I look forward to seeing it. A horror game. It's a horror well, game. Well, I mean, that's got no competition, that kind of thing, has it? <laughs> Especially a, from Chaosium. A, <laughs> well, there's this like, author from back in the 20s called H.P. Lovecraft, and nobody's read his stuff. And I was thinking, <laughs> this deserves to be a role-play game. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? I'm not even going to argue. I bet you already have. <laughs> nah. No, but... um. I think um, people who do know me know I like it weird and they know I like it scary. And I'm going to try to write a weird, effed up, scary horror game. Well, I look forward to seeing that. That could be really interesting. And then I'll be a millionaire. And then you'll be able to not retire because you love doing what you do. Complicated mathematical yeah. problems. If I could retire tomorrow, I would. Trust me. Um, I picked up um, Rivers of London. I picked up the hardback. Mm. Uh, yeah, because Paul Fricker put on, on Twitter that he was going to be at the Forbidden Planet. I don't know which one it was. I think it was one in London. With uh, Ben mm. Aranovich and uh, Lynn Hardy and Lucia. I can't, I can't pronounce a surname. Um, to sign copies of it. Uh, so we would have the four of the authors signed. So I quickly got onto Forbidden Planet's website and ordered a signed copy, and it arrived, and it's a lovely-looking book. Can't wait mm. to, re- to read um, how they make Newtonian magic work. That should be interesting. Yes. So just for people, for, for people who don't know, Rivers of London is pretty much Harry Potter with cops. Is that right? Is That, that a would good be a fair take, take on it, yeah. Um, and the books are very, the books are very good set in London, obviously. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of and they're deep, deep in some really neat London law, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah, I listened to the audio books yeah. on the, when I went to New York at Christmas, and I took me earphones and just sat there and closed my eyes and listened to, to the uh, the audio books. But I kept on stopping and starting them, and I kept on jumping back. So then I, I couldn't remember what mm-hmm. I was up to. I, I could probably I could probably be done with listening to them in one session again or you know mm. not take not not try and play them on something that'll jump back to the beginning every time I, I try and play them was it narrated by Stephen Fry no it was although he does narrate everything <laughs> doesn't he it was he narrates everything it was narrated by Ben Aranovich himself all oh, right I've, I've always wondered what he sounds like he's got, he's got a bit of a kind of gruff manner he sound, kind of sounds like that all right that was a good impression Scary. actually that was very good <laughs> uh, I thought Ben was in the room with me <laughs> he's, so he's a scary guy so yeah, so I picked up the um, Rivers of London book. I've not started it yet, as seems to be. I'm like a stuck record saying that because I've been busy with other things. Mm. But yeah, that's one, that's one for the future to, to take a look at. Um, mm. And also, recently was Chaosium Con. Yes, I did. I did. I did see on the little social media that I do occasionally peek at, and it looks like it went really well. It was the second one, and for the first time, they were allowed to sell drive-through RPG print-on-demands mm. on a stall. They they sold and they they sold they sold a lot of books, mm. a lot of books, and I, from what I believe, they took eight copies of the biggest sellers, which Viral was one of them, and they sold all eight. Amazing. So. From what I understand, they're taking more to the UK Games Expo to, to do the same, which is nice to know. What's the UK Games Expo? I haven't heard of that. No, of course you've heard of that. Is that that is that that bit where where they take over the NEC? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been for the last. I've been 
I think I've been in since 2019. I've been I've been twice, but then we had the time when it was off because of COVID and things like that. Mm. I went last year, and I'm going this year. I'm taking my eldest daughter with me this year. Uh, Evie, she's 14, Ooh. and she's excited for it. She's excited mm. to see the Catan store because they have a big yes. they have a big display Catan. Mm. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, and plus I'll have my own little Sherpa to carry books back for me. So, so, <laughs> I mean, how it will invariably end up is um, I will end up carrying everything because she'll complain. Yes. Yeah, but you'll end up carrying loads of Catan, like grabbing boxes of it on your head. Yeah, I suppose. But um, as I've already I've already warned in advance that Mike Mason and Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Jan, you know, who was uh, who helped mm. me out the other week when you couldn't make it, uh, they were authors on Rivers London, so I'm oh, going to get them to sign the book as well. So I'll have... Six out of the fifty people I wrote it. <laughs> and Lloyd won't, gonna catch Lloyd won't write anything rude. I got, now we, he, he, I know what Lloyd would like to write. Put it that way. I know what he wrote the section on the police, and I know what he'd like to write, but he won't. He'd be nice about it. I hope. Yeah. So uh, other than that, um, there's only the only other gaming news is that the remember the Kickstarter we spoke about last time, the uh, the Blessed and the Blasphemous, the Call of Cthulhu one in Africa, the North African one. Yeah, the North African one, yeah. Mm. Uh, that has got about a week left, and it's about five grand off getting extra content. Ooh. And it and it's now a hardback. Tempting. Tempting. That's very tempting. Well, the main, the main big package is 88 quid, but you get the 324-page plus hardback, and you get an evidence kit with it. Oh. So you get a load of, like, and a board, you know, like a, like a, a cork board kind of thing mm. to put the evidence on. All right. So you can, you know, so it sounds like it could be good. And also the evidence board thing looks like it could be useful as the games. Yeah. Or to frame somebody that you don't like in real life. Not what I was thinking, <laughs> but, but I like you, but I like the way you but think. I'm going to look out for something like that. So I might, I might back it. I always had the impression that your house would be like that, you know, that the meme of the guy when he's with all the hair, st- is all his hair stood up and then, you know, the, when he's doing the thing, he's got all the, like the thing in Memento with the, the walls. Yeah. You've seen that meme, surely? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a bit like that. But I am. Um, what I've actually got is a lot of blackboards with chalk writing on it with lines connecting them because I can never find the wall, wall and the stickers stay up. So I do it all on chalkboards. So my dining room is chalkboards all the way around. Do you know what? I know this is true because you used to have your computer in a different place and we saw it in the background on one of them. Yeah. And you had a peg, didn't you? Yes. You had a peg that you, that you used to clip on your fingers. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a a thinking aid. It's how I think is by putting pegs on my fingers. If I, if, I want to, okay, so- if I want to bookmark, no, this is serious. If I want to bookmark like some deep thinking I've been doing, I come up with an equation or an idea and I want to keep it in my head, I'll put a peg on a finger and it stays and it allows me to think about something else. So I end up with pegs on my fingers. And then when I've got it all sort of sorted, I take the pegs off, which is a completely normal thing for people to do. Griff, you are strange. <laughs> it's got me a long way. It got me to Whitmash. It got me to Leamington Spa. Well, well, you know what? You can't argue with evidence like that, can you? Okay, so today's topic of conversation is... I think it's an interesting one, and I'm not sure many people have discussed it. It's the horror of artificial intelligence. Now, we, we need to lay out how qualified we are to speak about this. So I think the the two best people in the world, I'm going to say the world here, are, are here to talk about this, because for those that don't, Griff, you have a, a doctorate 
in artificial intelligence. I do. Don't you? I do believe on that. So, and you've worked on many artificial intelligence things, including killbots. Killbots and computer games. Yes. Same thing, really. It's isn't the it? same thing. Yeah. Um, and my qualifications is I've seen the first three Terminator movies, which which I think is equally qualifies me. It's, well, I haven't. So I'd be interested to trade Terminator <laughs> information. So I think I think we're equally qualified to talk about this. So it got me thinking of the first example I can think of of, and I'm sure this is probably not the case, but it's what I could think of. The first example of artificial intelligence endangering humans intentionally. Mm-hmm. And what I thought of was 2001: A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hal. Yes. Which because. Hal betrays the crew, doesn't he? It does. He does. He does. He goes a little bit, I think he goes a little bit fruit loopy, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Is that the technical uh, term for it? Yeah, that's what we'd, that's what we'd have, that's what us doctorates in AI would say when an AI is trying to murder us. <laughs> it's gone fruit loopy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, it's uh, another, another fact, Hal, H-A-L, move it all on a letter and you've got IBM. And apparently, really, it's a complete coincidence. And I don't believe them. I don't believe them when they say <laughs> that's a complete coincidence. But yeah, how how goes crazy? Decides that the crew are bad. Decides to flush them to protect itself. And uh, I'm going. I'm, I'm digging through because I only ever saw the film once. And it has to be euthanized uh, while it's singing Daisy Daisy. Which, yeah, I mean. Not the best way of going, is it? <laughs> We've gone through Loopy. Crack on with the Daisy Daisy euthanization. Yes. But it's definitely a thing that even in recent years has become more prominent. And I think it's 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 as technology has grown in scope and in power, the the idea of of, of an artificial intelligence being incredibly bad for humans has grown alongside it yeah so then other examples of of artificial intelligence obviously endangering humans as as i said the aforementioned area of my expertise the terminator movies Mm. and skynet and that is about an artificial intelligence becoming self-aware and within seconds deciding that humans are bad Mm. and and let's be honest it's not wrong (laughs) it's not wrong well 0.01 percent of people have got some redeeming quality Oh, that, that's not good odds, is it? It's it's not. And that's, <laughs> and, and, and that's relying on, on, on my redeeming quality of being generous. So. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe a couple more noughts on there. And so basically Skynet becomes self-aware and wages war against humanity um, mm-hmm. using Terminator robots to infiltrate and destroy them wherever it found out. And obviously it then goes on the whole, they, they try to send a Terminator back in time to destroy uh, the leader of the the resistance when he's a child hmm. and ultimately failing. Oh, and obviously, so that's why it's the eighties. So now it's an eighties yes. film. Yes, because I, I thought that's like a really stupid idea, and you're not very clever if you're AI. Because what you'd want to do is send it back, send your Terminator back to the seventeen hundreds and kill, and kill humans from there. Because all they've got, all they've got is muskets. And spike, you know, yeah. sticks and pitchforks. It'd be really easy. Short film. Yeah, well, well, I think the point was to make a film that was decent. <laughs> All right. You know, not, not one where artificial intelligent robots in the far flung future wipe out guys with muskets 
I mean, yeah. I would. I mean, I would watch it. It, just one. it, it takes one. You know, there's a it peasant. Would, yeah. What a peasant in a field with his pitchfork, and he's doing what they do with hay when they break it up for the cows. And Arnold Schwarzenegger comes in and says, "Are you John Connor?" Yeah. He goes, "Yeah." <laughs> he just punches him really hard and kills him. Punches his head off his shoulders. Just literally, punches his head off. Just goes sailing. And then you go, oh, it's done. That's it. <laughs> well, no, but the whole point is they were coming after, they weren't coming after John. They were coming after Sarah, who was his mother. But you find out the reason, well, as you've never seen the movies, the reason I think they were, they couldn't go back any further than that is that the resistance gained a hold of the, the technology and send a man back as well to protect Sarah. And Sarah, and that man ends up being the father of John. Oh, that's a bit messed up. It's a bit messy, isn't it? And so maybe that's why they couldn't go back any further than that. There was something preventing it from going any further because it relied on the future to influence the past. Yeah. Do you know, yeah. Do you know at sixth form, there was a girl called Sarah Connor and she really fancied me. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't go out with her because I knew the rough plot of the Terminator. And I thought if I go out with you, robots going to come and kill us. You are strange, Griff. <laughs> Let's see how many times I can say this. So then beyond beyond that, I mean, also, if you think before, before Terminator, there was Alien. Yes. And there was the Cyborg. Oh, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. It's not John. John, John Hurt played him. No, John Hurt got, got killed, didn't he? He did the Sorry, script. not John Hurt. It was Bilbo Baggins. Um... Yeah, it's not Martin Freeman. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> you snide look to camera. Yeah, doing that thing where he raises his high eyebrows and ups his cheeks out. Ian Holm. Ian Holm. Ash. Ash. Yeah. So, so yeah, they had in, in Alien, they had the synthetic human, uh, Ash, whose mission was to take what was on LV-209 and bring it back. Yes. And he tried to kill, um, he tried to kill Ellen Ripley with a, with a, with a magazine, weirdly enough. Oh yeah. I remember that bit. And she knocked his head off his shoulders, didn't she? Yeah. And he does all that. He does that stuff with the custard coming out of his mouth. Yeah. It was like a white milk kind of thing, wasn't it? And it was everywhere. It was horrible. Yes. But then it, you had the benevolence of of of, um, of artificial intelligence in the in the second movie in Aliens, which was Bishop. Yeah, and that was played by Lance Henriksen, mm. and and Bishop ultimately helped the 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 uh, the Marines, didn't he? Yeah, and I mean he got torn in half by the Alien Queen, but that by the by. Mm. So th- there are examples I can think of 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 bad artificial intelligence. Yeah, and I mean shows like Black Mirror seems to have a real focus on it. Mm. It's not a series you've seen, Black Mirror, is it? I don't watch anything by uh, Charlie Brooker on principle. <laughs> <laughs> the, the reason I I don't watch Black Mirror, and I'm going to be absolutely honest here, I have a sensitivity to visual horror. Written horror, yeah, really unnerves me, gets me thinking, you know. I can still have nightmares with it, but if I watch something properly scary on television, I don't sleep in weeks. I have nightmares, panic attacks, and I'm watching behind the cushion, and the cats are useless. You know, I live in a house on my own. Well, two cats and a poltergeist, and um, yeah. not, not one of them's a comfort. So. Well, I mean, if you had a dog, that might be a bit better, but cats would just, you know, cats will eat you while they're still alive, let's yeah, be honest. 
if they're if they're hungry, dogs will will wait and wait and wait until they're starving before they would do yeah. that. Cats would be like, I feel a bit hungry. Yes. I'll I'll chew your nose off. <laughs> your nose and your lips would go first, wouldn't they? Yes. I'm not dead. I'm just asleep. Just had a lie. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but um, there's one particular episode of um, of Black Mirror that really stuck with me, mm. which was the white bear one. Yeah. I, I literally, I said to, to, to Claire, my missus, I've done nothing but think about that episode since we watched it because it's disturbing. And it's the only one without into artificial intelligence, mm. I think. It's just a disturbing episode of television. There's some awful, other awful ones in in, in uh, Black Mirror which are based around artificial intelligence. And there was one that The Simpsons ripped off. Which one's that? With what it was. They did an operation on, see this woman on an operating table. And then the woman wakes up in a white room with a computer console in front of her. Hmm. And John Hamm's in this episode. And he says, okay, um, you're not real. You're a computer simulation of this person. He shows the the, the, the woman who was on the operating table of her personality. And you are going to run her life for her. Ooh. And then she goes, no, I'm not. I'm trapped. What are you doing? He's like, you're not real. Mm-hmm. You're a simulation. Mm-hmm. And she says, I won't do it. He says, okay, I'll give you a week to think about it. And he just gets it and goes, one week, 10 seconds later, goes back. And she's like, please don't leave me again. That was terrible. But I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Like a week's passed for her with seconds have passed for him. Mm. And they argue back and forward. And eventually he goes, tell you what, I'll give you three months to think about it. Mm. Go types in three months. And when it gets back, she's in this, like, she doesn't eat, she doesn't sleep, she doesn't drink. She's in this white room with a computer console and for her three months have passed. Mm. It's not a real person. No. It's 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 a an artificial intelligence the horror based on this woman. Artificial intelligence. And after three months it goes back and all her hair's disheveled and she's like, please I'll do anything you want. Don't don't leave me alone like that again. And then it shows you the rest of the episode and she's got like this console and she does things like sets the alarm to wake her up and then opens the curtains of the morning and she controls all the things in this woman's life. Mm. And but you're like do you feel pity for something that's not real? Well, it's a deep question because there, there, I mean, there, there are serious proponents of the idea that we all live in a computer simulation. Yeah. I mean, a sufficiently advanced computer simulation, you know, written by something a billion years ahead of us, they, they could easily write a computer simulation to simulate the universe. I mean, you've seen The Sims now. Give The Sims developers at EA two billion years. Yeah. And it could, it could be the fact that we're all products of a computer simulation. It could be. And at some point they're going to go, yeah, simulation's done. Well, and, and then they get bugs, you know, like COVID and Terry Wogan and 12-inch tall ants, you know. Uh, and, and some people do. Did you some... say Terry Wogan was a glitch? Terry Wogan was a glitch. <laughs> How? It wasn't real. <laughs> Terry Wogan wasn't real. It was obvious. It was obvious just by looking at him that he was he was like a junior coldest first day attempt to person. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, and there are some people in the sort of the paranormal world that said if you if you wrote if you wrote a computer simulation, mm. um, you know, there's not there's no set of code that exists except mine uh, that operates without bugs. So a lot of a lot of the sort of weird and high strange and odd things that happen, you know, um, UFOs, ghosts, they're bugs in the simulation. It'd just be the bugs in the simulation. You know, I've often wondered maybe like UFOs are just part of an operating system. You know, some probe or something. 
that locally goes into a bit of the simulation and samples it. And it's us little things who are just ones and noughts running around. We're just all little self-contained computer programs. It's just us noticing the presence of a UFO. I don't know where it takes us, but I do like to think it. I don't know. I don't think it has any bearing. Didn't a, a group of scientists do perform some certain tests to see how it would behave? And it turns out the tests produced the results that would be exactly right, right if we discovered we were part of a simulation. Yes. Couldn't you argue because they wrote those tests? It could be a bug. Could be part of the rules. Who knows? But, yeah. you know, Elon Musk's a big believer that we live in a simulated universe. Yeah, the, the one he's, where he's, he's doing he's stinking He's rich. doing all right by it. Yeah. He's doing all right by it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's one of the lucky programs that got a billion pounds. Oh, cheers. Cheers, Elon. Well, he was worth 240 billion till he bought Twitter, wasn't he? Good. <laughs> Do you say good? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's good that he's not... That is burnt it all on Twitter. What a place to burn it on. I know, it's worth half the value we paid for it now, isn't it? I must admit, though, you know, a lot of people slate Elon Musk and um, there are certain things about him that are a bit, you know, odd. I mean, coming from you, that is... Yeah, there's, there's certain things he does and certain things he says that people might not like. But, Jesus Christ, in a thousand years' time, nobody's going to be talking about anybody in recent history martin luther king gandhi mm. are going to get a mention in a thousand years time and an elon musk will be in the history books people will still be talking about- for what though for just making lots of money well no i don't think he does because i mean he's 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 got like his three or four big projects hasn't he he's got spacex because he genuinely tesla tesla spacex conquering space because he genuinely thinks that you know we need to get off off of earth which is true Mm. because we've you know we've done to the earth what he's done to twitter so so people are breaking Do you know what? You're not far wrong there, to be honest. You got Tesla, which, which, if I'm being fair, I mean, there's two bits of Tesla, isn't there? There's the self-driving cars going back to artificial mm-hmm. intelligence, um, and we we can we can argue whether that's a good or a bad thing or a frightening thing to have cars driving themselves around. But that, but he's solving a lot. He's, he's he's attempting to solve one of the great, and I mean, it, it's one of the great unknown problems of the modern age which is battery technology yeah because if you sort if you can make electricity cheap with fusion and then you've got really really efficient fast charging batteries which is something tesla Mm. really focused on that's probably going to be our best bet at averting complete climate disaster yeah but you're always going to get tools who like big cars aren't you who love the revving sound out of them and you know that's till you realize that you know a, a fast tesla is fast fast yeah that's why he's doing his version of skynet to shoot all the people in big cars he'll just send robots after them i mean i can i can buy i can buy into that idea to be honest so said there's an elon musk robot imagine the robots had his head that'd be that'd be weird the- <laughs> <laughs> and his third, his third big thing, and you know, good or bad, whatever we think about this, he's put his money where his mouth is. Well, he didn't. A judge, a court made him put his money where his mouth was. Um, it's the idea of having a democratized, a democratized news service, which is how he imagines Twitter. Yeah, but it, it's all, it's all bluffable, though, isn't it? It is. You know, you, you pay the right money and can go on as an advertiser. I mean, someone proved it recently. Some some guy in America bought Disney Plus UK. Yes, and he got a gold he got a gold tick for it. 
And we were all just jealous that we didn't think of it first because that would have been <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it would have been amazing, wouldn't it? And, well, you know, and he was just using it to slag off Disney. Yes. <laughs> That's just something beautiful about that. It's just nuts. But the thing is, it's the whole t- tick marketing. Um, I mean, who cares, really? No. I mean, I mean who I, cares? It's, no one I, cares. Nobody cares. I'll tell you what, I've, I've left Twitter and I miss it about like an ant's testicle. Do ants have testicles? That's how much I miss it. Let's hope they do. Yes. Well, I don't know, do they? Because they have a queen, don't they, that lays eggs? Yes. And they have certain ants that mate with the queen, don't they? So, yes, yeah, so they must have had testicles. Anticles. So like to <laughs> but, you know, well, I mean, he might be on the wrong side of a lot of people's opinion of what free speech is about. Um, but, you know, he's got an idea. He's got an idea of democratising it and having some kind of widely distributed system that self-corrects. The thing is, the, the problem is with, with with Elon Musk is Elon Musk. Yeah, he thinks he's the funniest man alive, and he's like, if he went on stage, he would die on his feet. Yeah, he's just not a funny guy. No, his his thing is making money. He knows how to make money. Oh God, yeah, that's like calling Simon Cowell a musician. Like, absolutely, isn't it? absolutely. Because all he all he's good at is knowing how to make money out of music. He's not a musician. I remember him saying on. On Pop Idol one day, because I used to something about, like, I know more about music than you, some guy, and I was like... Is, that, is this Elon Musk or Simon Cowell? Simon Cowell. I remember thinking, no, you don't. You just know how to make money off music. That's not the same thing. You can't play Rachmaninoff. No. You can't play, play the drums like, um, you know, like John Bonham, can you? Or, you know, mm. you, you just can't. You don't, you don't know about, about music. You know about making money, and that's a different... It's an entirely different aspect of, of everything. It's not even... I mean, money wasn't... Music wasn't originally even about the money. Mm. People people were in bands because they loved playing music. Money was the secondary kind of part. Yeah, that's why I was in the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, you, with, your, with your Japanese girlfriend. Did, did she spoil it for everyone? Or I mean... Do you know what the funny thing is? Paul McCartney said in, in the years intervening, Yoko was actually fine. We all got on with that. Yeah. <laughs> it was John was the problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I can believe that. Yeah. But, but going back to Elon Musk, uh, the, there was a great um, video I watched the other day. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, the Behaviour Panel, who are a set of um, FBI profilers and uh, ex-military who specialise in body language. Mm-hmm. And they had the interview with the the guy from the BBC who tried to get one over on Elon Musk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Saw that, yeah. And Elon Musk didn't have to even be on form to smash this guy to pieces because the guy was that badly prepared. But anyway, the, the, the upshot of one of the questions they asked, and it's an absolutely beautiful YouTube show. It, it should be on proper television it's that good was is elon musk lex luther or tony stark that's one of the things they mm. wanted you to pick up talking about how honest he is but they're extremes though aren't they and let's not be, let's let's not forget tony stark starts off a bad guy lex luther is just a bad guy to begin with yeah they kept they came down with the fact he's probably a tony stark he probably thinks he is doing the right things and he probably does want to do good things Elon musk i mean i don't know it all remains to be seen, doesn't it? As to whether he does do anything. But, but in a thousand years' time, Elon Musk, myself, and Terry Wogan will be the three people <laughs> they talk about. The three pinnacles, <laughs> three pinnacles of civilization. They'll be, won't they? Yeah.
But so, so, so just head back to what we were originally talking about, which was which is the horror of of, of artificial intelligence. We we talked recently, and you were talking about how you don't believe it's going to be a horror horror. It's not going to be like you know Asimov's rules of robotics are going to suddenly be ignored. You think it's just going to be a layer of badness on top of all the other layers of badness? Yeah. Artificial intelligence, it's it's the genie that we've let out the bottle. We can't we can't physically put it back in. And I mean, when we talk about artificial intelligence and what people really mean by artificial artificial intelligence is, and this is the reason why it's booming now, because it needed these sort of things to be in place. Um, the one thing artificial intelligence back in the day when when I was there that we never really had was a lot of data. And nowadays, everybody gives their data away for free. Yeah, you know, they do. Every, everything is harvested and people are broadcasting that information all over the place. So it needs, it needs a lot of data. It needs a lot of computing power, you know, and Moore's law, yeah. you know, the fact that computation gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And a lot of AI practitioners, pretty much their job is to make these things as, as parallel as possible. Mm-hmm. And... Now we've done it, we've sort of uncorked this. I mean, that's all the AI, as we talk about, like ChatGPT and the art. That's all they do. They take a load of data, they push it through a bit of software that's massively parallel, and it spits things out at the other end. And at some point in it, there's a loop that goes back that says, how good is what you've spat out? And that's what the AI guys and girls do. So you've got this genie that's been let out the bottle and we're never going to get it back in. And the, the, and I don't, th- I don't think the scenarios are going to be necessarily apocalyptic. You know, I don't think the AI that does the deep mining on your Tesco loyalty card is going to go, I'll tell you what the problem is, it's people and I'm going to kill them all. <laughs> you didn't get it. You didn't get it. But but things don't have to be apocalyptic to be horrific True. and really yeah. really bad. So I think there's going to be. I think it's AI in future. It's going to be corrosive and it's going to be horrific, and it might force us to do make all kinds of terrible decisions. In in what sense? But not based on the human mind, but based on what the data tells us. Yeah. So so you've got you you've got this you've got a system now where you've got ChatGPT, and it's not actually that clever. You know, we talked about in in previous previous shows about Ch- ChatGPT, and I went off and trained a ChatGPT bot just to see how it works. And it's basically an idiot box that sounds quite clever after you've trained it. And it can do some really smart things. There are people that I know in the software industry that use ChatGPT to create code, you know, a really fiddly mathematical problem that they don't know how to solve. And they will go on and say to ChatGPT, hey, ChatGPT, because they can explain, they're smart enough to explain the problem. Mm-hmm. They just don't know how to solve it. You know, sometimes sometimes being able to explain the problem is the actual clever part. And ChatGPT will give them a very good solution to the problem. Or maybe even a solution that they can pick what they need from. Yes. Or maybe something that I'll offer them a solution that might be the right one, but it's along the wrong, the right path. Yes. But, and this is where it starts to get a bit a bit snarky, 
ChatGPT will also, and this is this has happened. People have said, write me a cosmology paper on dark matter and the possible causes of dark matter because so much of the universe is missing, and I want to get a Nobel prize for it. And ChatGPT will go off and write something that to the untrained eye looks like a good science paper. Because mm-hmm. it can deep troll Wikipedia and it can deep troll sort of sites and it can make these sort of connections. And it it has a, it makes a pretty good job of it, except when somebody did this as an experiment, it turned out that the papers that it was referencing were made up. Oh, yeah. So Chat GPT gave somebody a credible academic paper. It wouldn't get into like, you know, Journal of Astronomy or germ, Journal of Cos- Cosmology Geniuses. But, you know, it, it might get into an academic conference, you know, where, you know, you know, a low grade one like at the University of Wolverhampton. But it had just made bullshit up. And, and this is this is really dangerous because uh, and, and will be some terrible things might come out of this, which is mm. people deferring thinking and shortcutting. Essentially, we're all under a yeah. lot of pressure. We all have to produce results. Anybody with half an, an ounce of self-awareness has got a lot of self-doubts about their own ability. Yeah, like an imposter syndrome kind of thing. Imposter syndrome. How long before, uh, 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 but people are blindly trusting these things. And that's, that's the horror of it, that they're blindly trusting basically an idiot box. This thing is no more intelligent than a ventriloquist dummy, really. It, it's not conscious. It's not sentient. It does a really good imitation of a person thinking. And they've deferred all critical thinking. This is one of the nightmares I've got. How do you tell if somebody's really smart and trustworthy or are they just, um, you know, like the Paul McGann film? Was it called uh, White White Robes, was it? About, uh, I don't know, I've not seen okay. it. It's about a guy that tricks his way into a hospital pretending to be a doctor. Oh, right. And goes on the wards and goes round. And because he used to, I think he used to have some, he's like a uh, like a frustrated paramedic or sack paramedic. He's got a little bit of medical knowledge until something goes terribly wrong. He's the doctor on call and somebody dies. And then he's got the horror of living with this. Mm. Well, imagine if he'd been walking around with a PDA with chat GPT on it. Doesn't even have to really... He doesn't really need to know how to pose the questions that well and asking an AI to help fill him in. I mean, that to me is an absolute horror waiting to happen, sort of. Yeah, especially given the idea that, as you said, you know, the places it could be getting the data from could be duff. You know, it uses its own outputs as its inputs. So once it starts bullshitting like a blue tick on Twitter, (laughs) that feeds back that feeds back into it. It's going to go through Twitter to ask for COVID information. Oh, dear God. It's going to you basically, right, said Fred, are going to be <laughs> absorbed. There's nowhere in the, there's nowhere in the artificial intelligence cause it says, oh, ignore right, said Fred. <laughs> and we've seen what he thinks about COVID. Oh, God, until he caught it. How do you filter between Pierce Corbin and a professor of immunology? You know, an AI... Ain't going to be selective. Well, you could you could ask it to be selective, but that has to be programmed. And you could end up with an AI if you if you imagine an AI that's the sum of all the intelligence on the planet. The trouble is, there's only about one percent of people on the planet worth listening to. But the ninety nine percent, yeah. Basically, my worry is that it's going to be like a clever version of Twitter. And anybody, anybody can be goo in the same way. Everybody's an expert with Wikipedia. 
everybody's an expert with Google. AIs are going to be able to prop up some really frighteningly dodgy people. That's my that's my first nightmare scenario. Yeah, that is. What's your second one? Well, you know, Google. Okay, who are the big players in sort of this field? You're going to say Google, Microsoft. Yeah, Apple. Apple. Big, big tech companies are going to have an interest in this. I mean, there's, there are people quitting. I mean, there's a guy named Hinton who quit today, quit the Google Labs. And, I mean, he's an AI top brain. You know, he's a legend in the field. One of the pioneers of AI. Um, even even older than me. And uh, he... Uh, Quit Google so he could start talking more freely about just how dangerous AI is. Mm. No, so that's this is Google, who we are led to believe are one of the good actors in the world. Mm. No, they've got the they've got the absolute best interests of everybody on the planet. What was it? What was it? Google's motto used to be "Don't be evil." Don't be evil. <laughs> and they removed it. And then they got yeah. They removed yeah. it. Right, and they're the good guys. Okay, now you've got all these really shitty actors on the planet, state actors. You know, you've got all kinds of criminal syndicates, you know, rogue states, wannabe tyrants, and they're um, we're expecting them to take all this stuff that we're making mostly publicly accessible. Yeah, yeah. All this technology. And we're, we're, we're trusting that they're not, oh, yeah, they're going to use it for really good things. They're going to solve all kinds of medical problems and, you know, ecological disaster problems and, and you know, work out ways of making cheap energy um, so we don't ruin the planet. They're not. You can imagine. Chap GPT. Give me a step-by-step process of making a nuclear weapon. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully they'll get it from right said Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we're assuming, okay, so we've got this in the sort of the first part of it, we're going, we're accepting that that all knowledge is good and it's only going to be used by uh, smart people who really don't need the knowledge. You know, know, they're using it. They, they, they've got really difficult problems that will take years and years to crack. So they're using it to apply the sheer brain power of an AI to help them solve it. So they're using it like a, like a power tool. You could sort through a tree or you could get a chainsaw. They're going to use the AI like a chainsaw. That would be perfectly valid. Mm. But we know that what could happen is you could end up with an idiot relying on idiots. Yeah. And the second stage of uh, of the problem, the second horror to me is where you're assuming that nobody can take this tech. Nobody. It's so complicated, only Google can understand it. That's not the way technology works. Technology filters it. I mean, people can reverse engineer anything given time, can't they? Yeah. And you don't need to be a, you don't need to be a rocket scientist once you you've uh, you've got the stuff, and not everybody's going to use it for nice stuff. Yeah. And that's to, to me that's that's a huge a, that's probably the one that keeps me awake at night thinking what kind of horrific things could people even worse than me come up with for an AI? I mean, you were only in the Beatles. <laughs> and, so, and the third big horrible scenario for me, and this is less well-formed. Back in the 80s, life was perfect and, and lovely and wholesome. Some people had problems with Terminators coming back to kill them, but it, it, didn't, it, it didn't bother most of us. No, it was only really one person, wasn't it? Yeah. And all the people that Terminator killed to get to her. 
And then the internet turned up and everybody went, this is going to be brilliant. This is going to, because, you know, I was sort of first wave in right because I was in an academic mm-hmm. and it was crap. Nobody was on it. You know, you, you never saw like a Nike advert or a bit of spam for a OnlyFans page. None of that existed. And now, and now it's just a layer of crud on the planet. Yeah. That we've all, all voluntarily hooked up to, you know, and I mean, you've spoken off air. That's a, a big fear for me without going all survivalist is the fact that we do give, we do give a, a, an awful lot of our data away really cheaply. Yeah. And we're, and we are so dependent on the internet. I mean, you find out if you if your router goes down for a day, and you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you've got this. Uh, so, so the internet came along, and it, and now it's completely invaded our life. It's like the first layer of filth and slurry we're walking through, and then. The second layer of filth and slurry to me was social media. I mean, that's a defon as well, isn't it? Horrible. It's horrible the way we've. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I've got, I've got what I would say a fair following on social media. But if it didn't exist, I wouldn't lose sleep at night. Mm. But when you when you think about how it's affected a generate. Again, social media, people said this is going to be brilliant because there are people without voices in the world who live in terrible places, you know, Iran, North Korea, Wolverhampton, and they need, uh, <laughs> they, they need, you know, and their voices need to be heard. It's about democratizing the planet. And really, social media is one messed up place. It's made people more divisive, hasn't it? It, it is. It's, it's like a, because the algorithms that people chase, the, the, the uh, social media network chase. There are certain algorithms that they've got down hack to get maximum exposure and ad revenue. And what pumps and what sells is divisiveness and memes. And memes is like a fairly harmless thing, but yeah, I mean that's just a bit of fun, really, isn't it? Yeah. But if Twitter was a nice place where problems got solved, there'd, there'd be no ads on it because it's the entire place is one rolling argument that covers every plant, you know, every component of the planet in one massive argument. Yeah. And then you got all yeah. the problems with kids, you know, having their worldview completely distorted about what it's like to be a teenager and what is normal in air quotes sort of behavior. Yeah. You know, um, second level of slurry. And you can sort of disconnect yourself from social media. Mm. Very difficult to dis- disconnect yourself from the internet. And I think AI coming in is the next wave of slurry on the top. But I mean, surely, surely the solution is you disconnect yourself from it. I mean, my, one of my friends, you know, I'm in a band, I've told you. Mm. And our guitarist, Hamish, isn't on any of it. Not Nothing. He doesn't have Facebook. He doesn't have Twitter. He doesn't have Instagram. He has nothing. It's good. He's just got no interest on it. You know, the only way you can get in touch with Hamish is if you send him a text. And, you know, he's okay with WhatsApp. Yes. And that's about it. And he's not on any of it. And and I just can't help thinking to myself sometimes when I speak to him, you know, his, his life must be so peaceful. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guitarist. He plays guitar and that's his thing. And he's just, he's like, oh, no, can't be bothered. And even my eldest daughter, um, Evie, I was very proud of her for this. All of her friends in school are on TikTok. Mm. And I said, what do you want on your phone? She went, oh, no, Dad, it's mind invading. Mm. People are obsessed with it. 
They and, are. I, yeah. and I and I said to her, you know, by by joining it, you're not being cool and unique. It's by staying off it that you like that. Mm-hmm. The harder you are to get older, the more people want to talk to you. Yeah. Well, you you can you can imagine the horrors of when um, AI and social media and the internet connect, and you've got all this stuff that's not very difficult for people to get information about you for you to get yeah and it can start to directly reach out to you on social media mm-hmm. or other ways and it you know it doesn't have to be one great big skynet trying to kill you but you know imagine an AI that you're convinced is a real person that passes all the yeah. Turing test that looks like a deep fake sounds like somebody you know um Talks roughly how you know sounds like a real person, or or some you know the horrors of those sort of things imitating you, and going. But I got a video call from you, yeah, where you said where it, where it said you just murdered my mom, and it wasn't you. It was just some AI having a laugh. Yeah, and you got, we've got all this absolutely inbound, like you know, and, and it's one of those technologies that is being driven because people want to make a lot of money. And the way you make a lot of money on this planet, it's very rarely through altruistic things. Yeah, it's data. It's uh, the money is data driven these days, isn't it? Because mm. funny, funny enough, it, that was one of the one of the things I was I planned to talk about was deepfakes mm. because I think a lot of a lot of data gathering exercises are couched in familiarity on the likes of Twitter and all that, you know, uh, say what age you were by posting a movie from the year you were born. Oh yeah, that's an AI doing that. That kind of stuff. That's an AI. Of course it is. Four, four album covers that define your youth. Brilliant. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's information gathering. I, I, and for the most part, I try, and, I try not to bother with those or I'll feed it disinformation. I'll tell it something that's completely wrong. Skynet must be fuming um, in the future. It's great. I ain't going to get this time travel machine work. Yeah. Absolutely human. (laughs) One guy keeps saying that he likes right said Fred. (laughs) I don't believe him. What he's saying. (laughs) (laughs) But it's um, the the deep fakes. One thing that I've been getting a laugh of recently is uh, the deep fakes of the American presidents playing Overwatch. Have you seen yes. them? Yes. They sound exactly like them. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't believe it. Yeah, imagine imagine somebody somebody knocks that out and has, you know, manages to find some way of hacking the White House official feed and has an AI Biden going up declaring war on Russia. Yeah. Russia. And going, we've sent the nukes. But but even now there's there's there's, there's clear information gathering bits of software like these ones where it'll take a face and animate it to sing a song. Yes. Because, you know, get get a picture of your kids, get it to sing a song. It's cute. Right, said Fred again. I'm too sexy for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not with your kids. Well, no, that's a bit That's weird. more for your nan. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you get 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 the idea here. The idea that it's there's so much information gathering couched in in a nostalgia and familiarity. A Twitter is it's all the time. Mm, yeah, you know, I mean, what people are going to gather from name for four role playing games that release from the year you were born. I mean, I'm not sure what they're going to gather from that because with Twitter, more often than not, have to give you age anyway. So it's only, it's it's only telling them something they already know. But I mean, what are they going to gain from? From you know, knowing that Call of Cthulhu was released the year someone was born, and they don't really much gain much, are they? But no, but but you know, I mean, th- that's the thing with um, sort of data, um, you can't have too much. I mean, nobody ever no. goes, none of these like supermarkets or financial companies or or 
insurers or prediction companies go, you know what we've got? We've got too much data. Like, they don't care. And it's so easy to store it these days as well, isn't it? Somebody somewhere is going to find something interesting there. And it's it's mostly crap, but the world's mostly crap. And in fact, by by storing loads of crap about the world on a server, the AI is probably getting the best image of how shit the world really is. And it's accurate. It's proper accurate. Yeah. Imagine that's going to be sitting there going through what role-playing games were born. It's going to have to sift through all that sort of stuff. It makes I know, yeah. I feel sorry for the person on Instagram having to go through and look at photographs of people's meals they just ordered. Yeah. But I do, I do see one solution to the AI problem. Disconnect. No, even better. Well, and I think this is this is scarier. It's a scarier bit of technology to me, and we've talked about this. Quantum computing. If you if you've got, can you explain quantum computing to me? Okay, then. So you got you got normal computers, and they're, they're boxes, and and most people think they've got little men in them working, but really they've got um, very advanced uh, electronic components that are based on ones and zeros. Everything in a computer is ones and zeros, binary. And there's a problem when you start to model things, model the universe with ones and zeros, which is it's, it's a bit swingy. You know, one and zero is about as swingy as you could get. So, um, well, it's either on or off, isn't it? It's either on or off. Um, so it's quite difficult to sort of make very accurate computer models and really accurate software based on ones and zeros. It's just, especially some of the really difficult problems to solve in, say, physics. Well, isn't it applying a binary, a binary solution to an analog world? It is. Yeah. So, but but when you start to uh, look at um, quantum objects, quantum objects are, are sort of the opposite of binary. They're, they're, they're a superposition of probabilities. So an electron, you could imagine, is actually a superposition in space, a smearing out of all the possible states it could be. It's, you know... An electron is more like a weird cloud of probabilities. And it's got various properties um, that you can play with. And then when you observe it, then it pops into, has to be forced into one state when you get an observer. Mm-hmm. And so a, a quantum... Is this the observer effect, is it? This is the observer effect, yeah. So, so this is the famous Schrodinger's cat. Is it alive or is it dead? It's when you look and you you pop the uh, quantum wave that is all the possible states of the cat, and you force it into one. And all really a quantum a quantum computer is is using um, quantum objects. You know, let's say electrons for the sake of it. They can exist in all these states. And what it allows you to do is is first of all. Um, massively parallels parallelize problems because you know if you were to go through all the different variations of ones and zeros to get a number and tick through them all it takes time quantum computer can operate almost in parallel lots of problems at the same time coalesce it to one solution at the end okay but it, it is also like you said very good at modeling stuff that traditionally is very difficult to do with just ones and zeros so what what we're now entering the age of quantum supremacy, which is uh, nice. And quantum... Su- I mean, is it is it good, though? It, well, this is my actual worry about the future, a big nightmare scenario for me. Quantum supremacy is when a co- quantum computer can beat every computer on the planet. 
And and there are certain maths problems that if you um, run it on a standard digital computer, the universe will end before you come up with the solution of the problem. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even need to be that long. Ten thousand years. If you if you're going to go, I'm going to run a computer. I'm going to run a computer program to find the answer to this. How long is it going to take? Ten thousand years. I probably wouldn't do it. Okay, then. So so a quantum computer could knock out in two hundred seconds ten thousand years worth of programming. Yeah. Because if you if you use all variables really quickly, does it? Yeah, it's essentially, I like to think of it, and this isn't um, correct, but it's almost like it's taking the Douglas Adams approach of processing in l- multiple instances of our universe. You know, it's using the multiverse to do the calculations. And so you end up with 200 seconds, I can solve this really gnarly maths problem. Now, one of the gnarliest maths problems on the planet is something that we all rely on day to day, which is encryption, which is how we have secure internet connections. It's how we talk to our banks. It's how we talk to each other on signal until laws change. Um, It's how we protect our privacy. And encryption is based upon fancy schmancy uh, algorithms that based on prime numbers you couldn't crack with a computer unless you were prepared to wait the length of the universe, um, unless you've got a key that you swap that allows you to open the box and you can see each other's messages. That's nothing to a quantum computer. Absolutely nothing. Is it essentially a brute force as a record speed, does it? Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it is a question, but it is but it is, it is a solution to this though. Do you know how many times the KGB has been hacked? How many? By me. By anyone. Uh none. Zero. I guess. So, ah, guess why though? But this is why is that? They write everything down. They use typewriters. Ah, uh, but this is it. This is it's an analog uh, solution to a digital threat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But you can imagine living in a world where your next door neighbour knows all your secrets. Yeah, but my next door yeah. neighbour's not going to have a quantum computer. If I've already got one as well, so surely you've got two quantum computers competing against each other. Well, isn't this just going to be the car with the biggest engine will win? Now there is that. There are people. No, well. There, there, there is. Um, there are people currently writing algorithms that are quantum proof, or, or proposing that there is research done on this. They think they've got twenty years before quantum computers really get to state actor level and outside the labs. I mean, you could buy a quantum computer now, can you? Yeah, you could buy a quantum computer. I mean, you can't buy one of the fancy schmancy five hundred and fifty qubit ones, but you could buy you could buy a basic quantum computer. But the problem is. What a lot of, they believe, serious players are currently doing is working on a principle of harvest now, you know, hit it with the quantum hammer later. So there are people currently going around the world and stealing from each other loads and loads of encrypted data, which would be completely useless. But at some point, they're going to be able to unlock it really easily. Absolutely useless, you know. And at some point, they're going to be able to unlock it and have a look, you know. And you've only got to steal it up until the point that people find some algorithm that can protect themselves from quantum computing. But that's, that's quite a bit down the line. I mean, sure. A quantum computer before it ever hits mainstream will have algorithms designed to confuse it. Um, well, this is it. This is what the people are trying to write these quantum proof algorithms. But it's a moving target. You know, these quantum computers are getting more and more powerful. The way that they work isn't exactly fixed, it's actually really, really fiddly to do. Um, 
but they're, they're improving at a rate of knots. And, you know, at some point, quantum computers will just suddenly pop up in the world. See, I've got a question with regards to quantum computing, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure this is a question a lot of people have asked, and it's important that we know the answer. Will a quantum computer run crisis? No. Damn. How quick are the quantum computer knocks together a deep fake? Let's hope that the uh, let's hope that the uh, quantum computers and advanced artificial intelligence are enemies, because if they become friends, we're in trouble. We're in serious trouble. And I think you know what? On that note, yes. that doom ridden note, we should probably leave it. And I'll put use music here. <laughs>